Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. And today we are talking about sports ball. Sports ball. Sports ball. So we are in what, week four now of the NFL? Yes, week five of college. Week five college ball. Shoe. Our teams are, for those who don't know, this is Texas A&M for college ball. And for uh, football, I am a Cowboys fan, uh, uh, sometimes a Bengals fan, and Mr. Batman is definitely a Cleveland Browns fan. I'm also sometimes a Cleveland Browns fan as well. The problem is I I live in uh, Dallas, and the networks don't like to show Cleveland Browns games here. So I, I can't get it without paying the NFL a bunch of money. And right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I don't think they're a very good organization, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Especially what happened to Tua this last week. Cool. Um, yeah. It was less about Tua, and we can get into that a little bit, but what happened like two plays later with the uh, unnecessary roughness call that they got two plays later after the Tua thing. Yeah. You know, the Dolphins were criminal in letting him out there, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the truth was, you could tell he was suffering from a... It was a neurological issue. And if you watch the, the video from the week before, he literally got up, walked two steps and fell to the ground. And you're like, shouldn't be out there at all. <laughs> right. There's physical injuries which cause you problems, but that's not what he was displaying. He was he was displaying balance issues, coordination issues. That all denotes a neurological issue, which means he's he's either gotten a spine or his brain injured. And then against the Bengals when he got uh, sacked. Like he locked up, like full body lock up. Yeah, like his fingers are twisted, and yeah, they should not have. A should not have been playing out there at all. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> bad. <laughs> it's it kind of flies in the face of all the player safety stuff. Oh yeah, the NFL have been trying to push uh, for a long time now, and this was a very clear incidence of yeah that maybe they don't really care so much. And I mean, honestly, I mean, this both football leagues kind of got some rules, things that I think this week, this past week have been kind of a little nutso. And I think there, one was negligence on the NFL's part. And the other, like, say, in college football, I think it's overreaction to the NIL stuff because <laughs> I count at least three colleges this week that were hit with recruiting violations. Oh, really? Yeah. Air Force, University of Illinois and LSU. And I think there was Memphis with uh, college basketball. Are they getting hit with is a typical play, pay the players violations or is it something else? I'm sure it's some mixture of all that, you know, like, you know, incentives and this, that and the other thing. The same thing that the NCAA has always been hitting as far as recruiting over these years. But it just seems like in the past week or two, they've really ramped it up. And I guess this is their way of trying to, I don't know, encourage coaches from some of the bigger schools that, you know, they're going to try to make it more level and playing, you know, basically assaging people like Nick Saban, you know, who are complaining about recruiting. You know, in a lot of ways, the NCAA is kind of a, I'm not going to say it's a defunct organization, but it's, it's one that's got, everybody realizes has no teeth, right? It's this right. toothless monster. And so what they may be trying to do is prove to people that they do have teeth, but then again, they're, they're going after 
Air Force. Right. <laughs> Memphis, University of Illinois. Now, LSU was one thing, but if I read the, the highlight or the headline correctly, LSU ended up punching themselves. So the NCAA is like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You did it yourselves. That's okay. <laughs> Missouri has a longstanding history of doing that. And they're another SEC team. So LSU was probably just like, hey, they did it and they got away with it. So we'll do it. Right. <laughs> Can you go two weeks without self-reporting an NCAA violation? No, then you're not allowed out of the corner. Well, to be honest, Missouri's probably just hoping they don't, you know, see all the meth that's going on down there. That's unfortunately true everywhere, sadly. Meth and fentanyl. I guess fentanyl's the new thing. Last year when I was driving through there in a truck, I mean, I pulled into a pilot truck stop to get parking for the night, and I walked into that gas station. Let me tell you, you could tell the meth heads. You could just see the methods and you, you know, you were looking for a hole that was coming out from the chemicals. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we can get into it. Uh, Last week, A&M versus Arkansas. You were there, man. Tell me about it. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I was in, I was in Jerry's world. This is a tradition. I've been to, I think about 10 games there uh, back from the pre A&M and the SEC days. You know, they've been playing Arkansas there as a preseason game, you know, pre-conference game. It's not preseason because those pre-conference games do count. But it was a non-conference uh, matchup between A&M and Arkansas back when A&M was part of the Big 12. I went to several of those games. And then when it became a conference game, we started going to them uh, as conference games. I got to say, Jerry's World is is a pretty amazing stadium. Um, I've been there I don't know, a dozen times now, all for A&M games, except for the one one time I actually got to see Cowboys game two weeks ago. That was pretty amazing, too. And it's just a really well done stadium. The in and out is good. I don't feel like I'm constantly having to I don't feel like human cattle (laughs) as much as I do at a lot of stadiums. Mm -hmm. There's definitely parts where it definitely feels that way, but they're very minimal. And the, the internal of the stadium's just gorgeous. The giant, giant Jumbotron, which I've seen get hit three times by punters. <laughs> so that's always fun. The other thing that's traditional about the Arkansas A&M game uh, when I go to it is that it's down to the wire. More often than not, I've seen it go to overtime. I've seen it gone to, I've seen it go to double overtime. And I've only seen A&M lose once. So statistically speaking, if I go to the Arkansas A&M game in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, then A&M's going to win and it's going to be a nail biter. And sure enough, that's exactly (laughs) what happened. So before we get to the moment, the moment, let's talk about the game leading up to it because I thought it was a fairly solid game. I mean, first quarter, we looked like trash. Mm -hmm. We just did on both sides of the ball. We looked like a bunch of guys like the defense wasn't paying attention half the time because Arkansas was running a hurry up offense and the defense was constantly trying to get orders from the side. We were running a three-man rush on what was effectively a seven-person front because they were always pulling their tight end in. So you got your your five up front. They would have one of their receivers and one of their tight ends play another uh, front. So you had three guys trying to get through seven to get to the quarterback or the running back, and Arkansas is a running team flat out. They have a really good running back. They have a decent running back who also occasionally throws the ball sometimes. They refer to him as a quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. Um, <laughs> and and they do occasionally make throwing plays. Typically, the guy has to be so wide open that there's nobody within like five yards of him. And uh, and they'll make those catches. And, and that's exactly what happened. Arkansas just run it, ran, ran it down our throats because we had a three-man line. So we couldn't stop the run. 
and they occasionally had found open men and because they couldn't stop because their offensive line was able to double team every one of our defensive uh, linemen rushing in, they could find open people. To me, what was bothersome was like after a few series, you know, it seemed like the defense wasn't adjusting at all. Like they're like, no, no, at some point they're going to start throwing it. So we want to be ready for when they throw it. It's like, why don't you try stopping a few runs and then force them to throw it? And at least then you're controlling what they're doing. (laughs) Exactly. And and so that was in the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball was very ineffective. Our, you know, our front five, occasionally front six with the tight end coming in. We're not able to hold off their their rushers. They were typically rushing seven to eight men, and we were running the ball a lot. A chain was trying to run the ball, and he was getting clobbered because the truth is, our five sometimes six guys weren't able to stop their line, right? Their defensive line, they because they were typically rushing seven or eight. And so as long as we stuck to this run the ball and three men on on the line on defense. We just looked silly. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we looked like garbage. We were terrible. So the first quarter, they scored twice, you know, 14 points uh, on us. On a positive note, it looks like at least like Max Johnson can run a little bit. Like he he can at least make a few decisions. And if he has to scramble. Yeah, he can. He's not as fast as Haynes King. He's not as fast as uh, Johnny football was. No, but I think mentally he's faster. Mentally, I think he's more mature, more confident about making decisions. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm talking about on his feet. Like, literally, he doesn't run as fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the commentator said the same thing, that he's not as fast as King, but I'm more confident in his ability to recognize sooner when he needs to scramble than King does, you know, when to give up on a play. Well, and the other the other part of it is that he's more comfortable in the pocket. Yeah. That whole year with LSU, with LSU not being a very good team that year, you know, he understands the need to stay in the pocket. If there is a pocket, he, he understands when it breaks and he doesn't get super nervous, which can throw a guy off. Like even if the guy is safe, if he's nervous about it or if he's scared, it can throw off his, his passing game. Max doesn't seem to have that problem. So right. that's effectively what we saw in the second and third quarters is we came out and decided to actually play. Like the defense made adjustments. They weren't they weren't really putting any, anybody else on the line. But they were blitzing three or four guys in, I don't want to call it the secondary, but behind the line would run up to the line. And we, we got a lot more effective at stopping the run. We got more effective at stopping the quarterback scrambles, their quarterback scrambles. And on the offensive side, we started throwing the ball. And the truth is, Max Johnson can throw the ball. And we, we had a couple misplays, but the reality was we did very well. So we had one one drive. We had one series in the second quarter that looked amazing. That looked like this is what we should look like. Right. <laughs> and right. Uh, we were able to stop them pretty cold on one of their drives. They got a second drive. We weren't able to stop them very well. They got all the way down to maybe the 20 yard line, 15 yard line. The quarterback keeps it. He goes to go kind of over and around to get the first down. And he does one of our defensive guys managed to punch the ball out of his hands and it goes over the scrum, right, right over all the, the linemen into our, you know, our guys in the backfield or sorry, in the in the secondary. And one of our guys catches it and, and takes off and he gets picked up pretty quick by an Arkansas uh, defender. And so he makes five, 10 yards down the down the line. Right. He's he's got an interception scoop and scramble, whatever you want to call it. So he gets tied up and he and he's. Fighting with that guy. Yep. <laughs> he had the mental fortitude, I should say, to know to turn back 
towards where he was coming from and to let another one of his teammates uh, take the ball from him. So it wasn't just like, you know, a lateral No, it was backwards. So that way it was a legal, you know, a legal pass. (laughs) And then the other guy just takes it and runs. Yeah. It was the most beautiful defensive play you've ever seen. (laughs) It was one of those things you couldn't really teach. Right. Right. So because you have the second second defender comes up and, you know, he's turned back towards our side of the field and he's like, give me the ball, give me the ball. And the guy who's being tackled, who's being tackled, right? right. In that situation realizes this guy is saying, give me the ball and gives him the ball. Like you, that's a very difficult skill set. <laughs> like, And the other guy just runs around right. him. to just mentally know it's okay. Give him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Cause at that moment you're just thinking, hold on as hard as you can. Don't listen to anything until you hear a whistle. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because that's typically how it goes. Cause the other, you know, the, their side is trying to punch the ball out of your arms because that's, I mean, that's the name of the game anymore. There's, you know, it's everybody's half tackle, half attempting to make a fumble happen. And so, yeah, that 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 was crazy. And of course, for me, that was like the other side of the field. So I couldn't really see it happen. But what I saw was the guy got like caught up and I was like, we were all like super excited because, you know, we'd stop the drive. And then this other guy starts coming around and we realize he has the ball and he's just <laughs> running the whole length of the field and scores a touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> we haven't seen a defensive score in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like 14 to 13 at that point. And we go to kick the extra point and it's the worst, the worst hike I've ever, I don't like the guy that hikes the ball. And by the time the kicker makes it to the guy holding the ball to kick the second to the extra point, the ball is still like flat on the ground. Like it hasn't been propped up like, and I don't, I, I half blame the guy holding the ball. I half blame the guy who hiked the ball. And this hiking on special teams is is a problem. Right. It's a problem we've seen in other places, too. And so he the the Arkansas defenders are on him and definitely not going to be able to get a kickoff. And so the the guy with the ball pulls up and he he starts to scramble and he ends up throwing it to the kicker who catches the ball. But he's he's got four or five Arkansas defenders in front of him between him and the goal line. So he can't make he can't make it for the two point conversion. And so we. We end the half at 14, 13. It's just like, well, that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Third quarter, you know, we get the ball for the kickoff. One of the things I really love about going to games, AM games especially, is the band. Uh, so I actually got to see the band and that was nice. Because they don't show it on TV. And AM band is just it's just fun to watch, period. Like other bands, don't get me wrong, they can be fun to watch too, but the AM band just the marching band and their like consistent military marching formations. It's just such a fantastic show to watch. If you've never seen it, highly recommend, you know, looking up on YouTube and, uh, and watching what the band does. So that was a lot of fun. Third quarter, we got the ball at kickoff. I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch the whole thing, but we, we, we managed to do pretty good in the third quarter. You know, we drive down, we score at some point, you know, we find a couple receivers, who, you know, young guys, because our receiving core is pretty young. And that that was a big question mark for AM was were our vertical receivers, it's the guys who run down the field, kind of the long runners, are, are how are they going to do? Like, are they going to do well? And what we found is, at least against Arkansas, our wide receivers could easily outrun their defenders. The problem we had was was actually catching the ball. We had at least one, like, beautiful, wide open, would have been a touchdown pass 
if he'd caught the ball but didn't catch the ball problem and that happened on a couple of occasions our guys also made some decent some decent catches but it's a younger it's a younger receiving core we saw the uh, tight end get finally used a little bit he's a little bit shorter than our typical tight ends tend to be tight ends are typically big big guys like they're the get the ball and hit three or four people before they go down kind of a guys right because they're also often used as linemen and occasionally running backs even and so because of that they're really they're big guys. He's a little shorter than Weidemeyer was, but he still looked pretty good. You know, we kind of made use of our offense in lines. We got up to 20 points. And then I want to say we scored, a, we got a field goal at another part to get us up to 22. No, sorry, 23. But in late third quarter, fourth quarter, we started to fall apart. Now, part of that was the officiating. Oh, yeah. This was the most blatant anti-A&M officiating I've ever seen in my life. And it... Oh, yeah. As an A&M player, the officials are always against us. Just They just seem to be. Yeah, no, but this time it was, it was something. I mean, it was... It was bad. Oh, yeah. In the fourth quarter, it was pretty much every offensive play. There was a flag. They never called holding on Arkansas, despite the massive amount of holding they did, especially in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, they called it on us. They called pass interference on us. They called, but it, it, we had an entire drive that I want to say 60 yards worth was taken away from us because of, of penalties. Like we would keep making the first down. They marched us back, ten, you know, five yards. So it was 15 and, you know, first down and we got the first down and then it would, they marched us back, you know, throw a penalty and they marched us back to 20 yard line. So it was, you know, 20 yards first down. And then they marched us back to 30 yards. So it was first and 30 and we still would make the first down and they would just keep throwing flags until, uh, until we didn't make it. And it, it was, it was pretty disheartening. I think that's where we scored the field goal was on that, on that drive. Cause we were close enough. So the fourth quarter was pretty bad all around from the penalties perspective it was bad. Smith walked off basically in sometime in the late third and then we saw him on the sideline in a boot after that. Point. Right. So he's got an ankle injury. He'll be out, I think, for the rest of the season, if I remember correctly. Oh, is that what they? Oh, OK, I was going to ask because I, I, I this week I just completely forgot to check up on him and I hadn't heard anything. But yeah, damn, that that sucks. That's a huge hit to our offense. Yeah, no, he's one of the primary offensive weapons. He is him and A-Chain. Him and A-Chain. That's it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Smith is technically he's slated as a receiver and he does right. occasionally run the ball, but mostly he is a receiver. But he's one of those receivers that can take like three or four hits and keep going. So he's a he's a big, big, big loss uh, losing Smith. The penalties were big. And then there was a field goal we missed. It was a long one. It was like 50 some odd yards. And it did have the distance. It just was off. It was wide left. And so the Hogs get it back. They score in the fourth quarter. So that brings them up to 21. So now it's 23 to 21. And, you know, they're driving down towards the end of the game. You know, four or five minutes left. They get the ball. They're driving down. They get, you know, we can't stop them because we're still. It it almost felt like we went from the schemes we'd been using in the third, the second and third quarter back to the schemes we were using in the first quarter for defense because we were just massively ineffective again. Part of me, the what do you call it? Conspiracy theory part of me thinks that Jimbo was doing that on purpose. This is the line of thought. Jimbo is all about clock control and he wants arkansas to run the ball in order to eat the clock thinking that we'll be able to stop them before they can get to field goal range is my guess Uh i don't know but the problem is we didn't they got into field goal range 
and we're still running that same that same defensive scheme. So the clock is getting eaten off. So now it's now for all of us, the fans, it's like, oh, they're going to kick a field goal and we're going to get the ball back for like 20 seconds and we're going to lose. And sure enough, we get down to it. We finally stop them. And, you know, it's a 20, 30, it's a 30 yard, 34 yard field goal. And there's a minute and 20 left. And we're like, well, game's over because they're going to kick it. And then we're not going to be able to run it. But, you know, we're not going to be able to. (laughs) Right. Because our offense has just been inconsistent. Now we don't have Smith. And so they kick the field goal and it hits the upright, the very top of the upright, (laughs) the the, the top of not like the top side. No, the ippy did like, like, like think of a straw and like, you know, the very top of the straw, like it it just, it hits that and falls forward. (laughs) And we're all like, it hits that. And we're all like, where's it going? Cause it's on the other side of the field. We can't see like, where's it going? Where's it going? And we see it and it falls and it hits the ground. You still can't tell. Cause you can't tell if it's in front of the bar or behind the bar. Yeah, It's not until it hits the ground and we can see it in the end zone. Then we're like, yeah! you know, the whole, the whole place just explodes and goes nuts. And so Arkansas has got a timeout left. It's a minute 22. We managed to basically clock manage it down into, into the ground and we win. And so that, you know, we went what twenty three to twenty one, crazy, crazy go nuts game <laughs> as always. The reality is neither team looked looked stellar. We had I would say two good quarters where it seemed like our defense was doing their job and our offense was doing their job. We had two quarters where we looked like trash, especially that first quarter. Arkansas very much lacks a quarterback. Their receivers did okay, but they kind of lack a receiving core too. So they're they've got an amazing run game. They've got a an amazing quarterback who can run but throwing eh, especially throwing into traffic not a great quarterback so i'm glad we beat him don't get me wrong yeah. it was a it was a win but it was a struggle it was ugly and i, I don't know what that says about this week well what i th- think it says is really when you look at that game there's two things on the defensive side they just have to play from start to finish they have to be go a good to go from start to finish and they have to be quicker more more awake you know they have to be more organized because like you said they didn't know what they were doing they were constantly looking off to the sideline that's what practice you're supposed to do in practice go look one person's going to be in charge of communication no going into what you're kind of thinking and be ready to go you know there has to be a communication way a way to speed up communication on the defensive side of the ball and you just have to uh, adjust and adapt and be awake like you said it just seemed like they weren't learning they weren't quick on the pickup they would rush three guys against seven that's you shouldn't be doing that if you're on the on the the middle or back side of that defense and you see three against seven some of you ought to be going up to that line i mean that's exactly what we started seeing in the third or second and third quarter but it shouldn't take you the first 15 minutes of the game to do that. <laughs> right. I kind of blame the coaching on this one. Right. Like I, exactly. I think in, in a lot of ways, it wasn't the guy, it wasn't the guys in the field. It was the coaches. Right. It was, they had been trained into this scheme against Arkansas and then they couldn't, they had, they it took too long to recover from that scheme. Like whatever, whatever had been drilled into them, they just weren't flexible enough to move out of it. Right. And it ended up being a timely manner, but it was just enough, right? <laughs> right. Now, on the offensive side, I think it's just going to take a little bit more time to develop. But now with Smith out, you're going to have to rely on your on your passing game unless there's a rookie, you know, a, a freshman, sophomore, you know, that's been hanging back that we don't know about. That's a really good runner. It's going to come down to Max Johnson. 
which I'm fine with. I actually feel very comfortable with Max Johnson. I honestly don't want to see King for the rest of the season because I believe Max Johnson has a, a leadership quality there. I think the, the rest of the offense understands and follows him. And I think that they could develop a good chemistry as an offense and do more than I think that they do with King. They just have to develop it. And I think this week we'll see more of that that kind of offense, hopefully seeing some more of the cohesion start happening. I mean, let's be honest. Like when we moved from the running heavy schemes into the passing schemes, Johnson did fine. Like right. when, once, you know, that was the third, the second and third quarter was we moved from a very run heavy play calling strategy to a very pass heavy play calling strategy. And we did we did fine. Arkansas was pretty good at picking it up sometimes. And so they would cover everybody. And so we, you know, but then Johnson would realize he could run. Like, that's the thing. Like if you're, if the defense has decided to cover all your guys and to cover space in the secondary, that usually leaves the the sort of middle ground between the line and the secondary open. And so you can run it. I'll say that Johnson does a fairly decent job of throwing into cover too, though. I mean, some of those guys were covered well and he just, you know, needled it right in at him. You know, granted they didn't always catch him, but they were on target. Yeah. And and he's got, he's got the ability to throw the fastball and the long ball, sort of the bullet, which I was impressed. I, I, I had never really seen him throw any bullets. Like even in the A&M LSU game, he never really threw those real quick, fast five to ten yard kind of stuff. I saw him throw lots of long stuff, um, and that's how they beat us. And so I saw that in this game too. But I, I also saw the fast, quick stuff, which is good because that's the kind of stuff Jimbo calls. Because mm-hmm. Fisher's strategy, overarching strategy, is always we go to third down every down or every set of downs because we want to control the clock and clock management is the most important thing. We want to control possession. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Possession gives you control of the clock. So we want their defense to wear down so that by the time we get to the fourth quarter, we can just run over them. Yeah. Which, if you go back, if you go back three weeks, that's exactly what Appalachia State did to us. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. um, Mississippi State this week is on rank. So Mississippi State today at three o'clock. I I don't know. I watched Mississippi State play against LSU. The week we played Miami, they don't look great. And there's a lot of question marks about LSU because LSU is playing with a new coach. They came out. Their first game was awful. I don't remember who the, who they got beat by, but it was not somebody that was good. <laughs> not somebody that was ranked. <laughs> Since then, LSU has done a lot better. So I don't know if that's that was a factor of LSU kind of coming into cohesion and being decent. I mean, they, they have talent. They don't have top recruiting class because they got a new coach and everything. But so... There's a question mark. The odd part is, is A&M is being the underdog in this game, even though yeah. Mississippi State is unranked. You know, we lost against them last time in the same scenario. Well, that and they've got one loss in the in the conference, whereas we have one win in the conference. We're four point underdogs. <laughs> yeah. And so it goes into how good is LSU? How good is Mississippi State really? Because they lost LSU and it was a fight the whole time. And so, I don't know, you know. Moneyline is interesting. Oh, yeah? Uh, we're at plus 170. They're at minus 205. Hmm. I mean, granted, we'd only win. You put 100 bucks, you only win 70. But then you have to put down 205 to, to come even. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's a very strange. And it's a 
you know, the the ESPN um, game prediction is is uh, two thirds in favor of Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't think the game is that far off. I mean, I don't think they're that more that much better than than A and M. I mean, I do think it'll be a test. I think today's game will be a test, but. Yeah, I think one we can easily if we beat Arkansas. And I'll grant you, we just barely beat them. I think we could definitely beat Mississippi State. Right, LSU beat Mississippi State like thirty-one to sixteen two weeks ago, and then LSU State played like, or sorry, LSU played like New Mexico State, and LSU is playing Auburn today. So that's kind of going to be the bellwether for whether LSU is any good because Auburn is terrible. <laughs> it's just <laughs> terrible. Uh, speaking of which, do you know where Mike Cal or Zach Calzada ended up going? Uh, no. Auburn. Really? He's the backup quarterback at Auburn. Yep. Well, he is uh, on ESPN Game Day today. Yeah. ESPN Game Days in in Auburn. Yeah. Well, and and it, there's a lot of question marks about them playing playing him because uh, their current quarterback is not doing so well for them. So yeah, I'm not really sure. The honest truth, Mississippi State's only real opponent so far has been LSU, which they lost to. They they played Memphis, they played Arizona, and they played Bowling Green last week. And so, honestly, I think today is probably the day everybody gets a feel for how good they are. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of made a decision about how good we are, which is, eh, we're okay. I got to admit, I, I don't disagree with that assessment. I think with, you know, as much boasting as A&M has been doing about recruiting, as much boasting as Jimbo Fisher has been doing about it, I think for an SEC team that wants to compete, we've shown very mediocre. And this is, you know, the SEC. We are the, uh, this is the toughest conference, even bigger than the Big Ten. You know how we know that? Because there's definitely more game days that are happening in the SEC than they are in the Big Ten. Yeah, everyone wants to talk about how good OSU is. Maybe they're very, very good, but they're in a crappy conference. The only next two team in that conference is Michigan, and Michigan's not even that impressive this year. So I think that as AM fans and as an AM athletic organization, football organization, you have to set yourself some very high standards if you want to go anywhere. I guess other other concepts. So, and just to give everybody a roundup for AM, you know, we're we're three and one. First two games were against you know no name kind of schools, uh, but we lost the second one. Yeah, <laughs> Appalachian State. Like I said, it was it was very much they had the ball forty one minutes of the game. We had the ball, you know, the balance, and so less than twenty minutes. Uh, you think about that; it's pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Defense couldn't stop the run, and eventually that just that gave Appalachian State the win. The game against Miami was very different. We looked like a very different team, in part because the first two games of the season we had uh, Hans King out there, coming off of his injury from last year. The honest truth is he just looked scared. Maybe scared's not the right word, but that's the closest I can get. There's a look, you know, and it's something I've noticed ever since we came into the SEC. It's it's a way you can gauge your quarterback. And how you're going to play is the look in their eyes. I guess the other way, if you're not trying to use scared, is lack of confidence. Like he's not confident yeah. in what he's seeing. Like he's not comfortable in what he's seeing. Yeah. And so, like, you, they just get this look in their eyes where you know it's that, like, little kid, you know, in the street or in a grocery store without his parents, or, or it's just that, like, afraid, not knowing what to do, not knowing where they are kind of a look. And it used to be we played Alabama pretty early in the season, like fifth game. And you could tell if we had a new quarterback, like that game was the bellwether. You could look at their eyes like by the third quarter and tell whether or not they were going to be able to to be a quarterback in the long run because 
they were going to get sacked a lot because it's <laughs> Alabama, right? Well, I got to say, I mean, we're a couple of games into this season, just like last season, we were a couple of games into that season, and King is taken out, you know, in the last season, he was hurt. This season, he's just removed. I don't know where he would go. I mean, I can't see him starting again because it's two seasons in a row where he hasn't proven himself. This is college, so you only have a few seasons. And I think, you know, with a program like ours, you just move on. And that's what that's what Zach Calzada did. Right. You know, he went to Auburn. But see, the difference there was I thought Calzada was better than King. I was I was very happy with Calzada's uh, performance. I mean, it wasn't great, but I mean, he won a lot of games for us last year. You know, I mean, we got to a bowl game, so. <laughs> I I think we've done he, better last year than we would have if we had King. I actually disagree. Hmm. I don't I don't agree with that. Okay. Because the truth of the matter is when you get an injury as a as a quarterback, especially a leg injury, it does change the way you play. Sure. Especially kind of the leg ankle injury. There's always question marks about, you know, are your passes going to be floats now? How are you going to throw? How are you going to scramble? How are you going to set your feet? Are you able to do the kind of things you were able to do before? And then there's the mental part, because then you're always wondering when you get hit or when you're about to get hit, is it going to happen again? And the part that I think King probably struggled with the most was we he got his injury against Colorado. Like it wasn't like it was Alabama or LSU or even Mississippi State or Ole Miss. It was it. He he got injured scrambling, you know, running for a first down against Colorado. I think any team, Appalachian State, is probably a little bit of a head game for him. And so that, I I agree. I don't think he's going to start at AM. I think he probably would have done better than Calzada last year if he had not gotten injured. No guarantee on that one. But I agree. I don't think he'll start at AM. He'll move on uh, via the transition or the transfer portal. Well, I don't know if he'll start for another SEC team. That's my thing. And we both said the, the exact same thing about Calzada and he went to Auburn and it looks like he's probably going to start sometime this year. So <laughs> like, like don't get me wrong. Like it very much feels like we've sort of whitewashed Calzada just a little bit here because we did not like him last year. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, but you know, in hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, I'm also looking at you know what King's done the last two years and the very limited amounts that we've seen him, and going, maybe we didn't have it so bad. <laughs> well, I, and that's I'm, that's part of the problem. We just we never got to see him against a real opponent. We didn't. Well, because you know, we 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 got a little red vision from from you know disappointment from expectations. Yeah, yeah, we've got either four or five star quarterback recruit who's, you know, redshirted this year. And so, you know, Haynes Kings are backup, you know, in the event Johnson gets injured or something, Johnson will play through once we get to the end. If he, if Johnson doesn't get injured, then Haynes King will transfer somewhere else. And then uh, Max has only so many years of eligibility left because he already played at LSU last year. So depending on how that goes, there'll be a quarterback competition between him and the, and the new recruit. Um, but yeah, I think Haynes King is ultimately out of the picture for AM. Which is unfortunate because he had a lot of hype coming in. He looked really good in his his high school days. He looked really good in the game prior to the Colorado game. I can't remember who we played. He he didn't look I don't think he looked bad against whoever we played before Appalachian State. He didn't look great. You know, we only won that game thirty one to zero. Oh, we played Sam Houston. Yeah. So it, you know, he looked fine in that game. Again, 
Fisher's play calling doesn't, unless you're talent-wise so much better than whoever you're playing, Mm -hmm. Fisher's play calling is not geared towards, you know, 60 to zero or 70 to zero kind of, it's not, it's not geared towards the Alabama crushing kind of a thing. Right. You're going to win the game, but you're still, you know, 31 to zero is, is is about as best as you can do. (laughs) I think that game planning is because Jimbo Fisher doesn't consider defense in game planning whatsoever. Yeah. And that might be it. I mean, or at the very least at a very little bit, because like, like you said, it was all of a sudden the lights clicked on for our defense, you know, like, like Jimbo was like, Oh, well, I guess we got to get ahead of this a little bit. All right, guys, you know, now you can go, you know, yeah, (laughs) like he does. Like he's worried that the defense will outshine the offense or something. (laughs) Right. We've got a new defensive coordinator. So that's part of it. You know, new guy in the role. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. SEC, there's a lot of expectations in this conference and you have to keep up with them, especially since we wanted to be in this conference. We left the other one for this one because of the prestige and because of what it came with it. So you have to meet those expectations if you want, you know, because you asked for it. I do think the the SEC West is going to be another uh, beat em up kind of round robin thing because nobody looks stellar. Yeah, that's one of the problems we have going up against other conferences like the Big Ten and the Big 12 and Pac-12. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever number it's going to be. Yeah. Is that most of those conferences have one, maybe two teams that just dominates. Right. right. They're so they're so better compared to everybody else that they just look amazing. Right. And typically in the SEC, that's been Alabama. But Alabama is not that team right now. Georgia is. Right. So in the West, it kind of looks like, oh, well, you're all just as crummy as we are. And the answer is like, no. No, no, we're all still really good. We're just all playing each other. Right. <laughs> we look bad because we got beat by somebody else who's really good. <laughs> and, you know, and there is no mercy rule in, in college football. So if you, you know, you score, you keep on scoring. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you just you just beat the crap out of your opponent. <laughs> yeah, the West is, you know, we don't look great. Arkansas doesn't look great. Mississippi State doesn't look great. LSU doesn't look great. Ole Miss. I don't know about Ole Miss. And then Alabama, Alabama doesn't look like Alabama, which means they still look good. <laughs> but all of those quote unquote not looking great just means in games against each other, they're going to be close. So I think the West is going to be a beat em up. The East is going to be pretty dominated by Georgia and mm-hmm. possibly Tennessee. Because Florida hasn't you know, come back from what it was doing. Well, Florida's got a new coach this year, too. Right. And Kentucky's hanging in there. I mean, they're ranked seventh right now and they're in a dogfight with Surprise, surprise, an SEC West team. <laughs> oh, who are they playing? Ole Miss. Oh, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. You know, if Ole Miss hangs on, you know, they'll maybe swap places or whatnot. But so then we can go into that because we got we've beaten two well-ranked teams the last two weeks in a row, and we still haven't recovered from our one loss to Appalachia State. Yeah, yeah. We dropped from we were ranked six. Going into that game, we lost to Appalachian State. We dropped to 23. Yes. And we won against Miami, who was ranked 13 at the time. So we beat Miami. That jumped us up to 20. (laughs) (laughs) All three places. Miami dropped off the board, or they dropped to like 23 or something. And then we play Arkansas, who's ranked 10, beat them, and we go to 17. They just dropped to 20. Right. <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> so it's oh. like, yeah, that's the story of AM with the rankings is like beating somebody hurts them, but doesn't help us. 
That's always been the story. That's always how it's worked for A&M in the rankings. Conspiracy theory says that the reason for that is, is once again, they can't have everybody in the top 10 come from the SEC. So, <laughs> you know, they can only have so many from the yeah. SEC in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got through college. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about NFL? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want. I mean, you know, I got time. Go ahead. For me as a Browns fan, last week was an important week for us because it was our first game against uh, Pittsburgh. That's always a big game, no matter what year it is, no matter if we're good, we're bad. The expectation, just like it was before with AM and Alabama or AM and Texas, you could have the worst season, you know, ever. As long as you beat Pittsburgh, it's a good season. Which we did. Woo! Spoiler alert. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I was very happy about that because I watched the Bengals and the Pittsburgh game in week one. That was just, it went to double overtime. No, there's no double overtime, but it went to overtime. But to the very end of overtime, and the Bengals missed like three <laughs> field goals that would have won them the game. And then the Steelers kicked a field goal to win it. And I was just so mad. So <laughs> mad. In part because I like the Bengals, and in part because I hate the Steelers. In larger part because I hate the Steelers. (laughs) So it was like a cool night in, you know, September. Windy night in Cleveland, you know, on the lake. So kicking was not our strong suit on this one. Well, for one, we got a young kicker. And, you know, we thought, hey, he made a 58-yard field goal. Everything's going to be great. No, because like in, uh, in Cleveland, the stadium was right on Lake Erie. Like right on Lake Erie. And so the wind coming off of the lake, it it has like an almost vortex effect, you know, on the field. So when you see the ball kick, you know, one direction, it really like I I swear I saw one of his kicks do an S curve. (laughs) It was starting to curve back and then it went back the other direction and it went in. Thank God one of them did. But uh, he missed two, uh, or kicker missed field two goals. So you're like, oh, God, what kind of game is this going to be? Defense still had issues covering the secondary. Still had issues um, leaving people open. Miles Garrett was a little less effective in this one. He's currently hunting for the sack record for the Cleveland Browns. He is one sack away from matching the Browns' you know career sack record as a team franchise. Couldn't do it because uh, Jadavian Clowney, the other defensive tackle on the other side of him, is out for a couple of weeks with an injury. So it's just him. So Miles Garrett keeps getting um, double and triple teamed. And so he's a little without anybody to kind of take the weight off of him or, you know, make up for him. He wasn't as much of a factor this game, but uh, they still did a decent job keeping them off the board, breaking up plays and keeping the game in front of them. Offensively, Jacoby Brissett. Wow. <laughs> you wouldn't think that it's somebody like Jacoby Brissett, like a career backup quarterback. I mean, he wasn't quarter. He did. St- he was a starting quarterback for a while, but he's been a backup for a long time. He's done really, really well with the passing game. Nick Chubb. Awesome. I, I don't care what anybody says about Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb to watch him is just fun football to see him break tackles and just take off. Yeah, no, he's a great running back to watch. I mean, and Garrett's Garrett's a great. I want to see defensive end is what he is. Yeah, I was thinking defensive end. I was like DE, right? He's a, he's a, he's fun to watch too. He, you know, on the on the the Cowboys side, we've got uh, Micah Parsons, who was rookie last year, who's in the same kind of running. They're doing the same thing to him. That's he didn't get a sack on the Giants uh, this past week because they double and triple teamed him the whole time because mm-hmm. he's a monster. He just is. He's a he's a sack hunter. It wasn't a terribly close game. Uh, we were still up, I think, like a, a score or so from them. 
but it was a solid win. It was a good offensive win. Defensively, we still got more work to do, and bad news came after that game. On Monday of this week, being the fourth week of uh, NFL football, fifth week of college, and today's October 1st, so... It was just like three or four days ago. Miles Garrett was in a car accident coming out of uh, practice on Monday. Thankfully, he was okay. Just bumps, bruises, and lacerations. Nothing broken. He was day-to-day, but as of today's recording, he was placed out of uh, tomorrow's game against Atlanta. What happened was he was doing 65 and a 45 on some back roads in Ohio and went off the road and flipped his Porsche. It's 2021 Porsche that flipped, hit a fire hydrant, and then fell into a ditch. <laughs> Luckily, him and his passenger were wearing seatbelts. Both of them went to the hospital without life-threatening injuries. Both were released the same night. You know, he says he wanted to play, of course, but uh, after what happened with uh, two, I think all the NFL teams are taking injuries, no matter big or small, pretty serious today. So um, uh, he won't be playing this upcoming Sunday. So really, this upcoming Sunday against Atlanta, it's going to be a big question on on how it's going to go. But hey, we beat Pittsburgh. That's the important part. We're hopefully going to get Tom, give Tomlin, uh, Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, his first losing season. We hope. That would be nice. That would be. So the Cowboys, you know, start of the season, we didn't look very good. Uh, the first game against Tampa Bay, we looked bad. Like, a defense looked pretty good. We we managed to hold them to pretty much field goals, occasional touchdown, but mostly just field goals. And it's Brady, right? But the offense didn't look very good. And eventually, in by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, Dak Prescott got a thumb injury that took him out of that game. We brought in Cooper Rush, who's our backup quarterback. And Prescott went out. For I guess f- five to six games is what they're saying. Uh-huh. So we're like, oh, good. It's it's a repeat of <laughs> you know two years ago where Prescott went out on the first game. It was out the entire season, and we had Andy Dalton. Somebody else after Dalton got hurt. <laughs> yeah, after Dalton got hurt, it was a bad season. It was no fun. But turns out Cooper Rush is not a bad quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to watch him watch us play the Bengals. So week two was the Bengals at home in Cowboy Stadium. And I managed to get some t- a ticket to that. And that game was amazing. That game was fantastic. We, we, our defense between you know, three guys and each of them had two sacks on uh burrow. So that was awesome. <laughs> you know, Micah Parsons got two sacks. I think Andrews got two sacks. Another guy. So we, we were we were putting the hurt on Burrow pretty bad. It was a very close game. It literally came down to the wire 17-17 at the very end of the game, kicked a field goal to win the game. But uh, Cooper Rush looked good. Looked like he had a decent head on his shoulder, threw the ball well, which has always been the problem with our backup quarterbacks is their passing ability. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, I think everybody's kind of come to terms with him not being the greatest, the explosive running back. He He's the three to five yard guy. Mm-hmm. He, he'll get you three to five yards and he'll churn his feet and he'll take six or seven guys to bring him down. But very rarely is he going to break that tackle or break all of those tackles and make it down the field. He just doesn't. That's just not how he runs the ball. And I honestly, I don't think that we call those schemes for him. He's the guy that takes all the hits. And so three to five yards every time, three to five yards every play ain't bad. I mean, it's just not like especially for possession and for moving the ball and for uh, lining things up. 
Tony Pollard, we all love and know Tony Pollard, our, our other running back, and he's he's fantastic. He he is the big play guy. He'll get you 10 yards or 15 yards. Sometimes he gets you nothing. You know, that's always the trick with those guys. Sometimes um, they don't get much, but he's good and he's amazing in space. He's good against one or two tackles. So Pollard, both him and him and Elliot did their jobs. You know, we've got C.D. Lamb, 88, uh, who's become an amazing uh, receiver. He still drops the ball on occasion. <laughs> and sometimes he gets hit literally in the chest with the ball with open space between him and the and the goal and he drops it. Just it's just just happens. <laughs> but luckily he also occasionally does a one-arm catch in the very corner of the end zone and gets you a touchdown. So that's the wonderful thing about CD Lamb. But we've come up with a couple other receivers now. Brown, 85, and there's another guy who who showed a lot of talent in the last game we played against the Giants. And so our receiving options, so, you know, because we got rid of Amari Cooper and one other guy. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And and so our, rece- like our receiving core was just like, okay, we're down to Lamb. <laughs> like, and we know he's going to be double or triple covered, right? So who are we going to throw to? So there's a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. Looks like some of the guys we drafted and some of the guys we had kind of in reserve or who have been coming up are are gonna be pretty good. I'll just go ahead and say thank you for Amari Cooper. Yeah, you're welcome, <laughs> mother. I can't believe we got rid of Cooper. I saw that, and and there was like, well, he's getting kind of old. I'm like, okay, but then I thought, like, what did we get for? We didn't get enough for him. Like we we traded him for nothing. I I still think it was a bad call. Coop was great. I love Coop. So, but yeah, no more Amari Cooper, but Lamb's doing well. Brown's doing good. You know, we've got the commanders today. I'm just going to keep calling them the Washington football team. I don't care. <laughs> we've got the Washington football team. The Washington football team's in command of absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I, per, per always, the NFC East or the NFC least is just a sludge fest of toxic radioactive teams trying to beat each other up, you know, without falling apart. I know. Everyone's high on Philadelphia right now. I'm like, come on, you know that floor is going to fall out. <laughs> yeah. Interesting <laughs> enough, like we won the NFCs uh, last year. We got to the playoffs. Not that we went anywhere there, but there's never been a repeat win, I think ever, or maybe once, like back in the early 2000s or maybe the 90s. So there's not a lot of hope, statistically speaking, that we're going to win it again, except that, you know, we beat the Giants already. We're going to play the Commanders today. They don't look very good. You know, Philadelphia looks okay. I don't know. I I think it's going to be interesting. I don't have any hopes or dreams or anything um, because I'm a Cowboys fan. I haven't allowed myself to have hopes or dreams in a long, long time. So... (laughs) You know, I, I'd like to see us make the playoffs. I'd like to see us actually win a playoff game. That'd be nice. But right now, that's, you know, Prescott's slated to come back in two to three games. And so I'll be interested to see when he comes back if it, how things work. Because the honest truth is Cooper Rush doesn't look bad. He really doesn't. But Prescott is our, our franchise quarterback. So I don't know what, I don't know what things are going to look like. The honest truth is Prescott's been on the sidelines so much. As a coach, like with this, you know, little helmet and and whatever, I'm like, I just just become the quarterback coach for the Cowboys, man. <laughs> just <you know? laughs> well, well, that's it's kind of like what we're looking at here with Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson. You're just like, boy, man, Jacoby Brissett's looking pretty good, man. What about Deshaun Watson? Well, we're paying him two hundred thirty million regardless, so yeah, he's gonna play. Sadly, we don't really have a choice on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get our two hundred thirty million dollars worth, but. uh 
And Jacoby, yeah, stick around, buddy. You seem to be doing pretty good with this team. Yep. A lot of football, a lot of sports ball going on. Yes. Yes. Another time we'll talk about baseball, but just a quick half beat on that. The Cleveland Guardians, the youngest team in Major League Baseball uh, this year. Uh, Average age of the baseball players is 26 years old. Hmm. Uh, Won their division. Nice. Which nobody, nobody thought that they would do. There was nobody who thought that the Cleveland Guardians would win their division this year. And they did. And they've done it in spectacular style. They're such a fun young baseball team. If you go back and listen to some of my uh, earlier podcasts on the Guardians and the Indians, you know that I'm a big fan of small baseball, that I think you know baseball's gone too much with the home runs. This team does it all. Last night, first game against Kansas City for the last six games of the season, fifth inning, every single batter got a hit in the same inning. Wow. They've got the most infield hits of anybody in baseball. They've got a great uh, average with runners in scoring position. Stephen Kwan deserves Rookie of the Year. The kid is batting over 300. He gets on base. He steals bases like a maniac. He runs like a maniac. This is such a fun baseball team. I can't say it enough. And uh, we'll see where they go in the playoffs. I don't want to completely count them out. I think they could get through the uh, the wild card series. Beyond that, I think it's hard, but... Just the fact they got this far is is so much is so great and so much fun. Yeah, the Rangers fire all their management, so <laughs> it's gonna be a whole <laughs> a whole new ball game next year for us. Yeah, that happened like weeks ago. Like they fired several of the managers last week, so or not last week, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, it's kind of been a lame duck rest of the season, but we all knew Rangers were going anywhere. So eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you still got the Astros, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got the Astros, but that's uh, that's been sports ball. So it's been yeah, it's been a good uh, a good while now. So we're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> but <laughs> and of game today, at three o'clock. Plenty of college football going on. Lots of interesting games, and uh, I'll be definitely interested to see how LSU uh, Auburn goes because that'll give us a feel for how good LSU really is, which will also give us a feel for how good Mississippi State really is. And how good we really are, depending on how we do. And then also how good our Arkansas really is. So <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of dominoes falling into play today and a lot of good football going on and um, a lot of good football tomorrow, I think. So, yeah, that's been a uh, another episode of Patton and the Fat Man. Our first one on uh, YouTube. Yeah. First one live on YouTube. I have no idea if anybody actually watched us. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you can go watch the replay. I mean, you know, that's the better part. And then, you know, with the YouTubes, you can always watch us again once we tell you to. Yep. And this will be uh, given to our editor and pared down and made it so you don't have to listen to us say, uh, and, um, and the awkward pauses where I forget who people's names are <laughs> so much. We do have a website, patthefatman.com, and we have a Patreon. So Pat and the Fat Man, we've got a Facebook page, whatever it's called on Facebook, Pat and the Fat Man. So if you want to Give us feedback, give us comments. You can go to the website, leave a comment. You can go to you can leave a comment here on the YouTube thing. That'd be great too. So let us know what you want to hear. And uh, go check out the podcast itself. And the fat man is now on Twitter. Yeah, I need to do that too today. So we do talk about other stuff, mostly movies. And so if you check out the podcast, it's uh primarily movie based. And uh I gotta post Red Dawn, so I'm gonna do that today. So Red Dawn Part Four. But uh thanks for joining us. I'm Pat. I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Gig em. Just the dulcet tones of Patrick Mason. <laughs> Wolverines!
Yeah, yeah, just me, just me. <laughs> yeah, I can. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll kill you. Uh...